We're continuing Sermon on the Mount series, and today we are in the middle of Jesus' radical teaching on the true meaning of Old Testament law. And in so doing, Jesus is, uh, begins with the foundational principle that he came not to destroy, abolish the Old Testament law teaching, that his teaching is not different from what's been taught in the written word of God. Nevertheless, he brings out the true meaning by teaching on distorted, correcting on the distorted interpretation and application of the religious leaders of the day, Pharisees and the scribes, the teachers of the law. So because of that, he provides us six illustrations. But in six illustrations, today we're going to focus on fifth example, fifth illustration. But mainly what we need to read into it, uh, read from this text is, the parallels that we have. It wasn't just the Pharisees and scribes, but even our day, lest we be on a slippery slope of this externalism, the false pseudo-transformation and pseudo-discipleship. We need to see this is such a common misconception of our Christian life in 21st century as well. Namely, the common misconception is use Christ's teaching to improve yourself, fixing yourself to be presentable. The idea of a presentable is a noble thing. Of course, we need to clean up the outside as well. But by cleaning up the outside, there's an implication that we could hide or be different inside. The righteousness that Jesus demands throughout this passage is not a behavior modification, which is pseudo-discipleship. It is actually the way of Jesus is to surrender yourself unreservedly to Christ as your center. That he is not just a helpful guide and part of your life, sometimes very important part, sometimes neglected part, sometimes really uh, cumbersome part of your life. True discipleship requires us to surrender ourselves to Christ unreservedly. And that surrendering uh, involves dying to self. By dying to self is not denying your self-identity. Denying your fleshly, sinful, uh, default mode of your heart. And therefore, heart transformation is true discipleship. 
We could fool people. We could fool even as a church leaders and uh, spiritual leaders, even as teachers and pastors. So when they turn from being faithful to, to Christ and suddenly publicly, there are some people like that, right? Uh, deny Jesus and become an atheist, and, you know, mainly because of uh, some of their selfish desire or moral ethics doesn't coincide with Christ's teaching. And they'll declare that do not, they do not believe in Christ anymore. It is pseudo-transformation. And, and uh, we're going to come back to this thought at the end of today's teaching. The common question that comes to our mind when today's, typically today's famous passage, turning the other cheek, going second mile, lending to anyone who asks to borrow, giving not only your shirt, tunic, but your coat as well. The question that we have is on the behavioral level. For example, I had most problem when I was growing up trying to become a Christian, trying to be a Christian, this passage was the biggest hindrance for me. As a young kid, uh, who wouldn't be as a junior high, middle school kid who's athletic, who's trying to look tough, and anyone who pushes button on you, and to me, it was worse than death for me to deny and not to stand up against anyone who challenges me. I, I was a warrior in my heart, and in order for me to give up that warriorship, it's like a tiger becoming a little kitten. So let me die. I'd rather not be a Christian. That was my confession. And later, as I become Christian, as I'm following Christ, and even today's passage, as I'm meditating on it, it's largely because of misconception, misunderstanding of the passage. So I'm going to probably repeat this a few times. But one thing that you need to remember as we work through this passage is that Jesus is not asking for mechanical behavior modification. Does that mean I have to really do this? Such as when, when dealing with lust, when your eyes give you problem of lust, pluck it out. When you're hand and arm sins because of that cut it off so for some reason people who are listening to this passage and then trying to be loyal and trying to be truthful and realistic in application there are very famous noble Christians who have done that somehow in that passage plucking out your eye and cutting off your arm, they do not use the same application of that. Why? 
because it's just un unreasonable, they think. But this somehow seems so gloriously loving and graceful, and it seems to be much more uh, popular to embrace. But the same misconception is on the behavior modification or the externalism. The changes that Christ demands us is a perfect standard of God. You ought to be perfect as God is perfect. As a requirement to be accepted by God. And some of you are saying, there's no way we could do that. It's impossible. That's the point of Jesus is driving at. We cannot do anything to earn, to achieve the standard of our salvation. So how do we become righteous in God's eyes? By Christ's righteousness, what he has done through his life and death and resurrection. By through faith, we become imputed. His righteousness putting on us as a free gift of God. And to get to that point, what do people like Pharisees, and including some of us, do to realize that it is impossible? I can't do it. I'm spiritually bankrupt. Back to beatitude number one. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Who realize they have nothing good inside to achieve that perfect standard God demands for us. That is actually the beginning of that. So today, the fifth example focuses on uh, the issue of eye for an eye versus non-retaliation. So the, on the left side, it, those are all heart issues, inner issues. Murder versus anger, hateful anger. Adultery, adultery versus lust. Divorce versus fidelity, fidelity in marriage. Divorce meaning paper, uh, providing divorce certificate. Oath, making oath, or swearing versus honest in speech. And today's passage and the, the sixth example is closely related. Loving, loving your neighbor. Let me start with this story. Pastor in the Northern California, uh, he, he was a, a very insightful teacher back in the 70s and 80s. His teachings are still uh, available. And uh, I found this story. And Ray Steven told this story once. In, <clears throat> and he writes, I remember hearing of some officer, officers during the Korean War who rented a house for themselves and hired a Korean houseboy to work for them. He was a cheerful, happy soul, and they were young and had a lot of fun playing tricks on him. They would nail his shoes to the floor, and they would put water up over the, over the door so that he, when he pushed it open, the bucket would fall on him. They played all kinds of tricks, but he always took 
them in such a beautiful, good humor that they finally became ashamed for themselves. They called him in one day and said, we've been doing all these mean things to you and you have taken it so beautifully. We just want to apologize to you and tell you that we are never going to do those things again. He said, you mean no more nail shoes to floor? They said, no more. He said, you mean no more water on door? They said, no more. Okay then, he said, no more spit in soup. The reason why I call it a default mode of a human heart, no matter how nice we are, presentable we are, there are some people who are really look very gentle and they can do no harm. The same default mode, every heart, every human heart, and because of sin nature within us, desires retaliation. So Jesus is going for that heart issue in today's passage. Let's look at how they distorted the interpretation of the Old Testament law. And once again, instead of saying, Jesus saying, it is written by saying, you have heard it was said. He's not opposing to the Old Testament written law, God's word. God's word do not change in the value and character of God still continues. But it is a distortion of that uh, interpretation and misapplication. And he says, uh, an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. That's a famous uh, phrase, even for non-Christians. But for those of us who went through Exodus study, this is in the Book of Covenant, Book of the Covenant, remember? After the Ten Commandments, uh, Moses has received God's word for not only for the universal uh, Ten Commandments in any time, any culture, but he expounds the civil law, the how to live as God's people in, during the wilderness. And much of it uh, is application into the context, their cultural context, that um, God is leading them and guiding them. But one of them was an, an eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. And what they actually distorted is what is meant for. Before then, it was vengeance was violence, brutal. The human heart, the default mode of heart, when somebody hits you, you want to hit him and hit her twice. When somebody uh, takes your eye and you want to take their head off, the famous redundant theme of all martial arts kung fu movies. It is often called as a lex talionis, 
The lex talionis is Latin word simply law of retaliation. What was the purpose? It was to limit the violence, limit the retribution, promoting the equity. And for some of us, might be thinking that the iPhone eye is really, really bad. You know, actually, the, our Western judicial system is based on this idea of equity. Do not, do not try to get more when asking for restitution or retribution to the court more than what you have received. They shifted its focus from equity and limitation in retribution, and get this, to mandate as a command and to license. Not only permission, but as a right. I have a right. So it was never meant to be carried out personally, individually. This Equity rule was given to the core, given to the court and judicial system. And because of this, some of the modern-day wrong application happens as well. Look at Exodus 21. It's one of the three passages about iPhone I in the Old Testament law. And I chose uh, from the Exodus, the Book of the Covenant, because we have studied through this. Exodus 21, 22 to 25. When strive together, when men strive together, in other words, fight together and hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out, but there is no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fined as a woman's husband shall impose on him. Control. Limitation of retribution or restitution. And he shall pay as the judge judges determine retribution as the court. <clears throat> Verse 23. But if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, Burned for burn, wound for wound, strife for strife. It is not a command. It is to control, to, to provide equity rule. And even carrying out this judicial system, uh, unlike the Middle East, you know, the Muslims actually try to carry out this personally, unless the the victim family would want money instead, retribution money, restitution money instead. But even throughout Israel's history, most of the cases, it wasn't physical payback. It was in terms of, okay, if you harm this, how much will that cost? The compensation was usually monastery compensation. What was God's character in this justice balance if judicial system doesn't carry out people will act on the default mode 
So the government's law, uh, role in our judicial system is utterly important. But we're, we're living in a broken world. And I, I know we have a couple of lawyers in, in this, uh, our community too, but you, would, you could hear what's wrong with system so much, not only the movies and other things. But it is still pointing to the equity rule But they took it as a personal right. Sorry about that. Okay, what is its true meaning then? And Jesus brings deeper application. Verse 39, But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. Because of that one sentence, and some of the translation, earlier translations, English translation, translates to not resist evil. And because of that, to what we know as of today, uh, pacifism, especially unconditional pacifism happened. What unconditional pacifism says, any kind of resistance to Tom done unto you is not good. So as a Christian, as a follower, you should not follow that. So these people do not go to army, do not go to service for police. Uh, so basically, everything that has to do with any kind of retaliation. And there are some horrific examples who are so noble, noble and yet misguided. One example I read about is uh, his father-in-law doing nothing. When the two thugs in, in dip, legal dispute were jumping on his son-in-law and his, his, his daughter, beating them up brutally. In the name of obeying this law, obeying this rule, he did nothing. And there are people still uh, today that who would refuse to be enlisted even if during the war time as, a, as an army. But we'll find out what that truly uh, means. But for now, let's notice that Jesus said, do not resist the one who is evil but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your clock as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from. So even... Today, as we are going back home, and when you pull over uh, the freeway exit, there will be people who are begging. And maybe there are some notorious alcoholics in your street. And think about just nobly uh, trying to follow what Christ says 
and literally here, rather than looking at the heart issue, we grudgingly give and support their bad habits. But enabling their bad habits to a point their health to be detrimental. The true meaning of the law, and just really quickly, as I said before, it was meant to be intended for civil authorities to carry out. And Leviticus 19 verse 18 says, You shall not take vengeance or bear grudge against the, to the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. The true meaning comes from loving our neighbor. Jesus' deeper application, do not resist an evil person, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. There are four scenarios that Jesus gives in terms of what it means to not to resist the one who is evil, as opposed to payback for an eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. First example has to do with all four areas of common basic human needs that he is going after our heart issue by bringing these things up. The first one has dignity. When maliciously insulted, because when you think about verse 9, do not resist the one who is evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. The slapping it even in our culture, it's very insulting. More insulting probably than punching. But most commentators include this also too. When someone slaps your right cheek, so think about this, most people are right-handed, and if you slap somebody, it will be left cheek. But Jesus saying right cheek is a double the insult, backhand slap. So one of those uh, Korean dramas, the kimchi slap, have you seen that? So that kind of insult, the ultimate insult. The, the, our human dignity has been wronged. And Jesus said, don't retaliate. Give him another cheek. Okay, I'm going to repeat that principle again. Behavior modification says, just do what Jesus does and obey. So you, you could be righteous in God's eyes. I heard this Irishman from a commentator who were slapped by, hit, hit by someone in the street. And that person... Irishman got up, obviously Christian, and gave him the left cheek. And they hit him again because he got knocked down. And he got up, beat the beep out of that person. <laughs> so people are asking, what happened? Well, Jesus said, when somebody slaps you, give him the left cheek. And after that, he doesn't say, he didn't say, repeat it. So it's my turn. 
That's a behavior modification rather than thinking about our heart transformation. So each of these cases is security, uh, when de devastatingly sued, a security issue, if anyone who sues you and take your tunic, your t shirt, and let him have your clock as well. And this is so radical as well. In those days, the poor people didn't have two clocks. One, their coat is not for just the warmth when they're during daytime. It was for a lot of peop poor people who are poor, it was their blanket. So legally, in the Old Testament law says, even if you take the clock and hold that, at the end of the day, in the evening, come evening, give it to him. And take it back by the following morning again. But Jesus saying is, give him the clock as well. Third example is quite uh, unusual. And we don't have an equivalent uh, for our culture. Because it, Roman soldiers were entitled to ask anyone to carry whatever they need to be carrying, they help, need help. But the limit was one mile. You know, going one mile, and then after that, they need to find someone else. But Jesus is using that as, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. It's, it has to do with our liberty, freedom. Fourth example is, when unnervingly asked, when it comes to our property, give, give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow, borrow from you. So question that I ask is obviously as much as it's absurd to apply and follow the literal words verbatim by plugging our eye to get rid of our, our lust. Because when you pluck out one eye, there's another eye. You pluck this one eye again, you have no eyes, you have a, your mind's eye. The lust continues. We have no end when it comes to heart issue. The question that I would like to ask you is, what would it look like for us to apply and go for the right uh, application of heart transformation? This is challenging. Because some people, on the other hand, disregard this teaching as irrelevant and kind of hyperbole kind of thing. And they're all going for our rights and fighting. And all kinds of ugly things are happening in the name of Christianity, even right now, during this political season. This is not the good time to be Christian. We're identified as a person of this far away from Christ's rule and examples and heart transformation. All the more we are to be salt and light of the earth. So let's uh, look at some of the passages. 
And obviously, one of the famous people, Leo Tolstoy, uh, Russian uh, author, War and Peace, and so many other worldly renowned classics that he wrote, became very serious about following Christ. And he actually wrote a book on that, which impacted Gandhi. And Gandhi's work impacted Martin Luther King Jr. And much of that is there is a spirit of Jesus, love and grace. But misinterpretation is, has to do with taking the, uh, what Jesus said and heart issue and applied and all across. Listen to some of the passages, and it will bring out the, the point that we need to really remember. John 18, 22 to 23 has Jesus' own example. This is when he was persecuted, and when he was after the Gethsemane, uh, he was arrested in one court to the other, and he's standing in front of the Sanhedrin, religious uh, council and the uh, Congress of Israel, when he had, verse 22, said these things, and one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand saying, is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, if what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right. Why do you strike? Jesus is objecting. Jesus is resisting evil, unrighteousness. Does he fight back? No. Physically, violently? No. But he objects. Acts 22 to 25 to 26. Now, Apostle Paul's example. <clears throat> when they had stretched him to write, uh, stretch him out for the whips. This is the same, uh, similar example because Paul was arrested because of preaching of the word and then Jewish uh, rabbis and Judaizers didn't like him to preach about Jesus, so they actually used the force and made request because they could not do anything legally to him. So um, Roman soldiers got him and tribunal and centurion. They got him and basically trying to figure it out what's the cause for all this rumbling. In so doing, first 25 again. Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? When the centurion heard this, he went to the tri tribune and said to him, what are you about to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. The Roman citizen was legally protected without any clear due process of local legal court and they, unless they are legally condemned they should not get any beatings or flogging but typically they get the confession out of by torture flogging 
What did you do wrong? Tell us. But interestingly, he stood up for his right. He defended himself. And furthermore, his defense was for the sake of gospel. And because of this incident, and the Roman soldiers, they get in deep trouble when they persecute, when they beat anyone who is Roman citizen. So they're trying to, you know, protect themselves as well. So the governor, Felix, decided to send him to Caesar. So he will stand before Caesar. And that's how he goes to Rome. God's provision is very, very interesting. But the point is, again, he resists the evil and stand up for his self-defense. One more thing. Romans 13, verse 3 to 4, Apostle Paul admonishes the Christians in Rome to live a life of Christian righteously, and part of it is submitting to the authority, government authority. In verse 3, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God. Avenger who carries out God's wrath and the wrong doer. As much as parents' authority is given by God Himself, so we are to submit to our uh, our parents when we're growing up and honor them continually for the rest of our lives. That's honoring our parents is equates honoring God's authority. So one who cannot submit to the leaders or the parents or the government has a problem with submitting to God. That's what Paul's saying. Obviously, this doesn't mean every situation. There is a the equating God with uh, the government or any authorities, any religious leaders, as a, for that matter, is wrong, because God's reign. And God's rule, God's will is far more important. We are to submit to God's will when there is a contradiction. So civil disobedience is required when we see something that God is displeased in our law. And namely, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, when he saw the Hitler trying to wipe out the Jews, in the name of the good of the society. As a German, he stood up and practiced this civil disobedience. But general principle that what we can see here is it's not a, a pacifism, a unconditional, especially unconditional pacifism, is not Jesus' point. Jesus' point, you are default heart will want to naturally retaliate. Don't do that. 
aha, the question that comes to our mind by this time, if you follow me closely, what kind of heart transformation do I need? Meekness. Do you remember that? Those who are blessed are those who are meek, who are humble not only to God but to others, who is not tempered by others poking because of his humility. The problem of our self is our stiff-necked eye. We are self-entitled, insisting our rights, especially Americans. We are taught to not to take any chunks from people. And some of our, our, our parenting skills also too, we wanted to make sure some of Asian Americans or Hispanic Americans or some you know, people who are coming from other side of, even if you're white, the, our obsession is not letting others take advantage of us. So let me clarify a few things before you get confused. Let's think about what it does not mean. What non-retaliation does not mean, it's not asking for another hit. It's not asking for to be a doormat or help others to take advantage of us. Or it doesn't mean that we do not resist evil or the devil, the evil one. Or apply it also in civil and national justice. So in a way that when you think about it on a personal level, letting go of my, my grudge, and I forgive that person. If someone robs you, it's hard for us to even imagine that. He broke the glasses through coming through your door, and he's bleeding. Give him medicine. Let, help him to, to get wrapped up. His wound is not going worse than how it started. If necessary, call 911 and help him to get treatment. But call the police. As a Christian, we are worried about one or the other. The one thing is just the literal application of what Jesus did. And the other one is just getting confused and giving it all as becoming a doormat. Can you imagine Jesus being fearful? in front of those soldiers. The meekness is people who are completely aware of what he or she can do in your own power and right. But you, you reserve it not to do it. That takes humility. That takes self-control. That frees you in turn. So I still remember um, Kia, Wade's and Helen's daughter, had questions about similar to this. And at school, 
some things are happening. What shall I do when people treat you wrongly? The implication is this. Oh, because you're a pastor, I know you're going to say, be nice to them, forgive them. I know that, you know. And I basically said this. What's in our heart has to be congruent with what we are doing. Of, of course, that doesn't mean that we wait for the feelings. But don't do turning the other cheek and inside you're hating that person. That's not the point, isn't it? Surrendering ourselves so that we could be free from anger, from bitterness. And some of you, along with me, saying, I can never do that. Maybe Mother Teresa, but I cannot ever do that. I have a hot temper. It boils me inside. Me too. And that will take us to the attitude number one, the mourning over sin, sin, our sin, and the inability to cope with our sinfulness. And we need Savior. And we continually hunger for righteousness. Apart from me, you can do nothing, Jesus said. What does it mean? It means don't pay back evil with evil. Choose good, love, in fighting evil. And let's not get confused again. Choosing love is my, doesn't mean that we have all these good good feelings at all. When you're feeding the enemy who is hungry, you might have no feelings whatsoever. It's not out of your warmth in your heart. But loving thing to do is when your enemy is thirsty and hungry, you feed them. But you still keep them in prison. Heart issue. Do not resist a person who wrongs you or do the evil thing to you while resist evil. Resist the evil one. There are so many layers of application we could get into. For example, you find out someone is abusing one of your nephews and nieces. This does not mean resisting, not resisting what's happening. Just cover it up. No. You resist evil. You stand up for the righteous thing. Protect the child. But you forgive that person. On a personal level, do not grudge. Hold a grudge. Help the person to to, to get better. Take the right steps. And sometimes he, it could require in letting him suffer the consequences of his own, own act. It's not a blanket statement of grace. That's a cheap grace. It is like a, your alcoholic dad is asking for another, another, cup, another shot. You're continually being nice to him. Obviously, 
there is a tough love that we need to practice as well. Once again, the focus is coming back to us. What's my default mode? Am I like that Korean houseboy who's on the nice on the outside, but inside I'm paying back in everything? Even in the little things, we could do this. Your husband keeps on being late when, she, when he comes home and you know, your, child, child, uh, your child needs care. I mean, he needs to come home so that you could go to the meeting or go to a woman's group. And the subtle way of paying back is when it's men's group time, you're, wait, a little bit late, like 10 more minutes late than him coming home. Leave vengeance and judgment to, up to God as sons of God. Know what you could do and wanted to do, yet choose not to do it. Proverbs 20, 22 says, Do not say, I will, re, I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord, and he will deliver you. Before quick application, I need to clarify the spirit of non-retaliation. This is what the spirit of the law a spirit of Jesus teaching here. It means to deny yourself and follow Christ in overcoming evil with good. The key issue is your own attitude towards yourself, which is self-entitlement versus self-denial. George Mueller, who's famous about orphan, orphanage and answers of prayer, writes this. There was a day when I died, utterly died, died to George Mueller and his opinions, preference, preferences, tastes, and will. Died to the world, its approval or censure. Died to the, to the approval or blame of even my brethren and friends. And since then, I have studied only to show myself approved unto God. Brothers and sisters, I realize I do not have to worry about the, the unreasonable obedience of this heart issue through the behavior modification. But I do need to be concerned about what Jesus is pointing out is my sinful desire to pay back and even more than what I receive when I'm wronged. The key issue is that as we follow Christ, we are to say no to those default modes of fleshly desires and die to self so that Christ can live in and through us. The two applications I would like to suggest quickly. Number one, we are to surrender ourselves and self-attitudes to Christ when we are wrong and also before we are wrong. Unless that pre-decision has been made and surrender has been made before, 
by the time when we are wrong, it's too late. Our fleshly desire will take over. So let's start with the very simple things at home. When your wife or husband insults you. And you feel like this time it's not 50-60 wrong and bad and good. It is 99% to 1%. I did almost nothing. I'm just giving 1% just to make sure that you know, I'm not perfect. <laughs> but 90%, 99% he did wrong. I could pay back. And if you're a very articulate person, you could just crush him with your words. Or if you're not an articulate person, you could hold a lot of things back that he knows he needs, including sex, including food. Don't do that. Say no to that feelings. And look to the Christ who has bowed his head. And some of you have not read uh, Calvary Road. Um, I would love to encourage you. And there, there is a season of our community that I mentioned this book so many times. The sign of a cultic movement is one book is superior than anything else. So I haven't mentioned it for a long time. <laughs> so I'm going to mention it. Oh, and by the way, I have a free copy that if you really want, oh, I really want to learn how to walk with God by through my brokenness, I'll give it to you. He writes his own prayer. Lord, bend that pride, proud and stiff-necked eye. Moses and John, uh, Moses through the book of Exodus is calling his people, and God is actually calls, calling his people, stiff-necked eye. Your neck is so stiff you cannot bow. There are stubbornnesses there, our willful defiance to what God desires because it requires to dying to self. Help me to bow the head and die. Beholding him on Calvary who bowed his head for me. Second, we are to overcome evil with good by relying on the power of the Spirit. Uh, the parallel passage in the epistles, Romans 12, verse 9 through 21, listen to this. Paul writes, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Very simple truth that we could remember. Uh, Herbert Vanderlog says, the best way to get even is to forgive as you have been forgiven. It's so true, isn't it? Brothers and sisters,
let's be aware that God, our sovereign Lord, sees everything. Not only our behaviors, but every secret in our heart. Unless we surrender our heart and die to self, the righteousness that he desires, we will not follow. We will only follow Pharisee-like pseudo-transformation and pseudo-righteousness. And believe me, there is a power. Have you seen some people who is Christ-like who could let go of their grudges and the things that harm them, not because they're weak, but because they're meek. They're not controlled by that. There's a freedom in it. And may the Lord teach us in the coming week, this is really possible for us to live out. And by living it out, we become salt and light and powerful witness of Jesus' radical teaching. Let's pray. Father, perhaps many of us are still troubled with this teaching. Either we want to ignore it completely, or we want to meticulously uh, involve ourselves to be credited in some way. We fall flat and bow our heads on the floor and we confess. Apart from you, we can do this. We cannot do this. Apart from you, our heart is sinful naturally bent toward to retaliation, standing up for our self-entitlements. So today, we ask that your Holy Spirit will help us to surrender. In timely, we thank, we're thankful for the communion because Jesus, you died on the cross, bowing your head and submitting to the will of the Father and because of your humility, we are saved. We have hope. Lead us to the way of the cross where there is freedom and joy. Pray all these things in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen.